Thank you, Dane. Good morning to everybody. Isn't it great to be together today? Just fantastic. Beautiful weather outside. And uh, so it's just wonderful to be together. Great to see everybody who's here with us this morning. Good to have visitors with us. And if you are visiting with us, we do want you to know that you're a blessing to us. And we pray that your time here will be a blessing for you as well. And if you have any questions about anything you see us do or hear us teach, please ask us. We simply keep saying we want to be the church we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And so please do ask. And we do hope as you're able that you'll come back and be with us over and over again. A special family of visitors with us this morning. And Chelsea and Lannon, they brought their family with them. They just moved back into Omaha. Just a little bit of history for me. I get a little bit sentimental at times, you know, when I think about history and um, involving individuals. Chelsea's father was a young kid. I don't mean real young. He wasn't little, but I think he was maybe in high school and then went into college while I was preaching in my first congregation where I was preaching full time in southern Illinois, Mount Vernon, Illinois. And so I ended up, he was growing up, I ended up moving away to Louisiana. Somewhere along the line, we crossed paths, but by that time, Richard had married Dawn, his wife, and Chelsea and her brother were already, you know, growing up in their years. And uh, he talked to the men here and they invited me to come and, and preach in a gospel meeting. And then talked to me after that or while I was still here about moving here because they had lost their preacher. And I remember I stayed with, with, uh, with the Downey family and I think Chelsea was about 12 years old at that time. Her brother maybe about 14. And so I remember somewhere the second or third day or so we were riding in the car and I said, so do you and your brother really always get along this well? You're so nice to each other. Or did your parents threaten your lives? Her brother spoke up and they threatened our lives. And then Chelsea grew up, went off to Freed Hardeman College, came back, was a member here, and then met Lennon. They moved, they got married, moved off to western Nebraska. It's great to see them, and we're, we're thankful to have them in the, in the area now as they've moved here with their family for uh, uh, job situations, and we just great to see them. And say hello to the, to the families, both of you, both your families. I want us to think about something very, very profound, very personal to each one of us. I did not know what Mark was going to start teaching in the class this morning. As I said last Sunday morning, when I you know, came to a stopping place in the book of Acts as we'd been studying, I said Mark was going to start teaching the class for a period of a few months or so. And uh, then I'd pick up the book of Acts somewhere after the first of the year. And I did not know what he was going to start teaching as his theme. He did not know what I was going to be preaching this morning. But I was th sitting there thinking as he was getting into his lesson and developing the theme for the next few weeks, I thought, you know, this really goes well with what I'm going to be talking about in the sermon this morning. I I've seen that kind of thing over and over and over again as I've been preaching full time where a Bible class teacher teaching the auditorium class does not know what I'm going to be preaching on. I don't know what he's going to be teaching on, but they just blend together so well. 
I do believe in God's providence. We've talked about that a lot. And so maybe God was working within both of our mindsets, getting ready for these lessons today so that there would be kind of his introduction to his theme and maybe my coming back and, you know, kind of giving it the, yeah, let me tell you, let's go a little bit further here. I want to ask you, and this is, again, very personal, very profound, and it's very serious important for each one of us on a regular basis to ask ourselves this question. Are you seeking God with all your heart? With all your heart? Now, I'm not talking about, do you say you believe in God? Almost everyone would say, oh yeah, I believe in God. But are you really seeking him with all your heart? It's an important question for us to ask. Now, a whole lot of people, they become discouraged they become angry with God because some situations developed within their lives that they have taken to God in prayer and they did not see the answer that they wanted God to give them. He did not deliver them from that situation. He did not resolve it for them in a timely fashion as, as, as to how their mindset was going. And so they become discouraged and sometimes even angry with God. Why did God let this happen? Some people will say, why did God make this happen in my life? Understand, God does not make happen everything that happens in life. Life happens. And God is there for us to lean upon and to turn to and to seek his strength and encouragement and direction wherein we're living through those situations. Now, a lot of people, they say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated to God. But it's surface level to a great extent. If even that, if even to that degree of commitment. So it's not a question of do you believe in God or even in some cases, members of the Lord's church, you know, they're again, kind of surface level a lot of times. I'm not talking about you particularly then, you know, I'm talking about that's kind of a general kind of situation for a whole lot of people who claim to be Christians. Yeah, I believe in God. Oh, I'm dedicated to God, but it's pretty surface level. The commitment does not go very deep, and their lifestyle kind of of, of evidences that. Now, we need to understand, when we pray to God, he can answer in three different ways. First, he can say yes. Second, he can say no. And third, he can say, not right now. This is not the right time, because he knows better than we know. We want things right now. God knows the right time. Now, second, we need to understand that God, he doesn't want us to be just surface level in our commitment. God wants us to walk with him daily to seek him with all of our heart all the time. And and that's important. Not just when we need some special blessing and then all all of a sudden we become really spiritual. That's called, from one, from one perspective, one frame of reference, that's called jailhouse religion. You got folks in jail, and, and they're in jail because, you know, in most cases, because they did something that violated the laws of the land. And they may have been living, in a lot of cases, very worldly lives up until that point, but then they get in jail and they find themselves now stuck And so they become all of a sudden spiritually minded, very religious. And now I'm not putting that down, but I'm just saying in a lot of cases, it's very surface level. And once they 
are released from jail, they go right back into the lifestyle they were living before they were arrested and, 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 and put in jail. So God doesn't want us to just follow him, to just seek him, to just pray to him, to just try to be dedicated to him when, there is some, when we need some special blessing or we need deliverance from some difficult situation that, is, that has confronted us. God wants us to seek him with all of our heart all the time. And so Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, the prophet wrote, and boy, Jeremiah is not one of those is not one of those kind of linear books of the Bible. It's a history book. Jeremiah was a prophet of God. He was trying to get through to the people of Israel during a time when they had become very ungodly and they were about to be conquered by their enemy and removed from their land, literally. And so Jeremiah is trying to get through to them. He's prophesying God's word to them. But when you read through the book of Jeremiah, time frames shift. And so you may be reading something that took place as he's referring to it in a particular time period. And the next context may go back before that. And then it might shift ahead of that again. And then back and forth, back and forth. But it's when you read through the book of Jeremiah, and I, I was teaching that one time to a class, I thought, wow, this is like the United States of America right now. And I would say it's even more so like what we're seeing in our country right now, in our culture. But Jeremiah writes this. He's writing this to the people of Israel. They had become surface level at best in their dedication and commitment to God. And and. Many of them probably weren't even surface level anymore. They just were doing whatever they wanted to do. And they were going to pay the price. So, Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, And you will seek me and find me, God says, when you search for me with all your heart. Now, there was the principle. God says you will will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Understand that phrase, all your heart, all of your being. So our commitment cannot be just surface level. It's got to be all the way. The Israelites had to learn that they could not follow God half-heartedly, and even less than that. And he used Babylon as a tool of judgment to bring judgment upon the people of Israel, upon the nation of Israel, taking them into captivity for a period of 70 years until they listened to God's prophets and repented of their sinfulness, their waywardness, their ungodliness, their wickedness, and came back to God in full faithfulness. Going back to verse 10 in Jeremiah chapter 29, for thus the Lord says, after 70 years are completed of Babylon. And understand, we're talking about, and it's hard for us to imagine, if some foreign power came into our land, conquered us militarily, put us in subjection, and they said, you know what? We don't want you to stay in the United States of America anymore. We're going to remove everybody, the entire population, except for the really old people, the sick people, the infirm people, the crippled people, and we're going to take you to a foreign land, and you're going to have to stay there for the rest of your lives. That was what Babylon did to the land of Judah, South Israel. They removed the population 
from the land, took them into captivity in foreign lands. And so God says, after 70 years are completed of Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good toward you and cause you to return to this place. So he's, he's prophesying after 70 years, and God knows all. He could look ahead and see how things are going to transpire. He says, after 70 years in captivity in a foreign land, I'm going to bring you back after you've repented. We go a little bit farther into Jeremiah 29, drop down to verse 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, as we've already read. There's the principle we're really focusing on. You will seek me and find me, not, not just whenever you call upon me, not whenever it becomes convenient to you, not whenever it just, you know, kind of, hey, I really need you now, God, but you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, Jeremiah is prophesying all of this before it ever happens. And it happened exactly as he prophesied. And God goes on, because you have said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. God would send prophets to them during those 70 years of captivity. And they would get through finally to the people of Israel, and they would pay attention, and they would repent. And God was already seeing that in their future, and he's saying, then I'm going to bring you back. But it's going to take 70 years. Now, you think about 70 years, you're talking about two generations, basically. A generation being around 30 to, 30 to 35 years or so, new generations come up during that time. There would be many of the Israelites who would never return because they were born and raised and some of them grew old in captivity. So even though they would be released from that captivity, they'd stay where they were. So you talk about what a profound change it was going to make in the nation. But God says, when you have listened to my prophets, then I'm going to bring you back. When you have repented, then I'm going to bring you back and restore you to your land. So I want us to look at three questions. Question number one, are you even seeking God? Are you even seeking his will for your life? You see, again, a whole lot of people, extremely surface level, as far as their dedication, commitment to God is concerned, even their belief in God. Oh, they'll say, I believe in God, but they don't live a godly life at all. They seldom, they seldom you know, darken the doors of any kind of church building at all. Prayer in their life, not even a, an issue. And, and what is the minimum, the bare minimum they could do in serving God? They don't even reach that. They don't want to have to think about God because they know they're not where they ought to be in, in relationship to him. But they'll stick their chest out and they'll smile and they'll tell you how much faith they've got in God. But God says, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Are you even searching for God? Are you even seeking his will in your life? Are you seeking him by studying his word? We keep emphasizing faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. How much do you read the Bible? How much are you in God's word? How much are you at church services where 
The Bible is being taught consistently. How about your children? How are you raising them up where they are receiving in their Sunday school and Wednesday night Bible classes very directed teaching on their grade level, their age level? How much are you raising them in God's word so that their faith can grow? When we look at how important it is for being in God's word, the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, King James Version says study. Other translation says be diligent. The focus is the same. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or properly understanding and applying the word of truth, which is God's word. And then we drop down to chapter 3 in verses 15 through 17, and Paul goes on and he says, he's reminding Timothy that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, he goes on and says, which means it is God's very word. God breathed literally in the Greek. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God gave us his book not to just stand in a place in, our, in a shelf in our bookcase or to look pretty sitting on our coffee table in our living room. God gave us his book as a manual for life and also as a guidebook for eternity. God's word is precious. God's word is important to us. Are you studying God's word as you should? Remember the principle. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Are you searching for God's will? Are you seeking his will for your life? Are you really trying to walk with God and have that close union, that close relationship with him. Question number two, are you seeking God then with all your heart? And so you say, yeah, I'm seeking God. I'm, I'm really trying to, 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 to develop that relationship with him, to have that deep and profound faith. Well, are you seeking him with all your heart? The principle again, you will search me and search for me and find me when you seek me for all, with all of your heart. In Psalm 145, beginning with verse 17, the psalmist wrote, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. Now, did you get that section there where it says, to all who call upon him in truth, in truth. Does the way you're living your life really indicate, identify that you're seeking God with all your heart, with all your heart? Matthew chapter 15 and verse eight, we see the contrast. Jesus talked about people who were just surface level. They were kind of more lip service than real dedication through their life. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Whole lot of folks in the world right now who would fit that description, aren't there? Hopefully none within this room, but maybe 
You need to ask yourself, you need to exercise some of that self-examination. But if we seek God with all of our heart consistently, then we can have confidence in God watching over us and being with us. And we can have confidence in the prayers that we petition him through for whatever needs might be there in our lives. Just even just to hold us close and to strengthen us and encourage us and, and help us all along the way every day. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, often called God's telephone number. God, Jeremiah 333, call to me and I will answer you, God says, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me. Paul wrote in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, speaking of God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think through according to the power that works in us. There is no need so huge in our lives that God cannot take care of that with us. Now that does not mean necessarily that he's going to make it go away, disappear, vanish, but he can see us through it. He can strengthen us enough and give us the guidance as to for us to be able to know how we can live through that, how we can come out stronger on the other end, how we can get through it successfully. He's able to do more than we can imagine. Are you seeking God with all of your heart? You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The principle again. Now, question number three. Are you seeking God righteously? Righteously. And here's a hang-up for a whole lot of people. They'll be living an unrighteous life and they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm walking with God. They're not walking with God. They're, again, uttering that lip service that Jesus talked about. But they're living an ungodly life in one way or maybe more than one way or another. Are you seeking God righteously? You cannot live in sin and expect God to bless you in that lifestyle. Second Chronicles chapter seven, beginning with verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Did you get all those conditions? If my people who are called by my name, he's talking about the people of Israel, he was raising them up. In fact, he raised them up to be the bloodline through which he would send his son into the world as our savior. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that word if is the big conditional word, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their, their land. Now my, uh, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Are you seeking God righteously? Or are you thinking you can live in sinfulness, live in unfaithfulness, live in a way that contradicts God's teachings for how he wants you to live so that you can be with him forever in heaven and still think you can pray to him and he's going to bless you in that lifestyle. If I regard iniquity in my heart, I'm going to have problem with my relationship with God. But let's go a little bit further here. Now, Psalm 85, beginning with verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord 
uh, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. They, that, that glory may dwell in our land. We've got to make up our mind. We're either going to live a lifestyle of godliness, of faithfulness. It's going to be exhibited in the way we live our lives on a daily basis. Or we're not going to. And our lives will evidence that as well no matter how much we try to cover it up. So we need to stop and think. If we seek God righteously, he will bless us accordingly. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. The prophet wrote, it shall come to pass, but, but that before they call. Now I want you to get the sense of what God is getting across through Isaiah the prophet here to his people. Now let's make the application. If we're the Lord's church, we're his people today. And so he says, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Do you understand? Again, God knows everything. How many times do we read that even before in the scriptures, that, that before a baby was born into this world, delivered by his, from his mother's womb, God already knew that baby. He already had plans for that baby. We read that over and over again in the scriptures. And so God knows our hearts. He knows everything that's going on in our lives. He knows everything that's about to happen in our lives that just hasn't yet taken place visibly. And so he says, it shall come to pass. Now he's talking obviously, I believe here about those faithful to him. Before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. Because he'll already know what we need. He'll already know our faithfulness to him. In Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 6, I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have mercy on them. They shall be as though I had not cast them aside. For I am the Lord their God and I will hear them when they come to repentance and come fully back to God. So sin separates us from God, as Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 59 and verses 1 and 2. And I believe I missed that particular text, but there it says, it, it, is, is the Lord's hand shortened that it cannot save? But, but it, the emphasis of that particular text of scripture is that your sin has separated you from your God to the point that God will not hear. Now, again, a whole lot of people, they think I can live an ungodly life. I can live, I can live a weak in faith life. I can give God lip service, not really be dedicated to him in the way that I live my life, the way I serve him and all that. And he's still going to listen to my prayers. God says, no, nah, no. Acts 3 and verse 19, sometimes coming to God righteously need, means I need to repent and seek his forgiveness so that I can get on the right path. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And Peter and John were preaching that to a crowd that gathered following the healing of the lame man in Acts chapter 3. Sometimes coming to God righteously means I've got to repent. 
If I'm going to seek him with all my heart, I've got to let go of those things that are the wedge between him and myself in our relationship. Now, not seeking God with all my heart can cause God to not listen then to my prayers. I need to understand that. I, I, I've heard people say, God listens to my prayers. And maybe even tears come to their eyes. They need to get back into the scriptures and understand God hears everything. He knows everything. He sees everything. But there's a point at which, as these texts of scripture have been bringing out, that he turns a deaf ear as far as his response to our prayers comes. If we're not seeking him with all our heart, or if we're living in unfaithfulness and sinfulness, Again, you cannot live in sin and expect God to bless you in that lifestyle. You need to make up your mind. Are you going to really be dedicated to God or are you going to be halfway dedicated or maybe 25% dedicated or kind of hit and miss, come see, come sigh? Isaiah 1, verse 15 and 16, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear, God says. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Close a cease to do evil. And then also, in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 16, therefore do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or, or prayer for them, nor make intercession for, to me, for I will not hear you. And chapter 11, verse 14, so do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or a prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. Over and over again, we read such texts of scripture. We need to pay attention. We need to understand God's not joking about these things. Chapter 14 in Jeremiah, verses 11 and 12, then the Lord said to me, do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. He's talking about surface level dedication there. He's talking about, again, lip service, but not the life service. We need to not regard iniquity in our heart because if we do, the Lord is not going to hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear, Psalm 66 and verse 18. So what's the answer? I need to live the righteous life before him. I need to seek him again with all my heart. And then I can have confidence that he will listen to my prayers, that he will be there with me and for me always. Zechariah 7 and verse 13, therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed and they would not hear, they called out and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 again, your iniquities have separated you from your God, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. But the contrast. Psalm 34, verses 14 through 16. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off their remembrance from the earth. And then Proverbs 15 and verse 29. 
the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Do you want God to listen to your prayers? Of course we do. What's the lesson here over and over and over again? If I want the Lord to walk with me, then I've got to walk with the Lord. And if I want the Lord to hear me, I have to hear the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 21, I, God speaking, I spoke to you in your prosperity when things were going great for you in your life. But you said, I will not hear. This has been your manner from your youth that you did not obey my voice. If I want God to hear me, I have to hear God. I have to hear what he teaches me in his word. And I have to make the proper applications in obedience to his word. So once again, the principle. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. There's the principle. Again, I keep emphasizing that. What a great verse of scripture. How instructive that is. So the question is, are you seeking God with all your heart? Are you seeking him with all your heart? In James chapter 4 and verse 6, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Are you seeking God with all your heart? Are you seeking him with a humble heart? Are you seeking him with a righteous heart? Are you seeking him with the heart of obedience? Are you seeking him with the heart of surrender? Are you seeking him with the heart of dedication? With God, it's all or nothing. All or nothing. Are you walking with him? Are you seeking him with all your heart? God, show me the way. Help me to walk the way. Guide me, help me to be there with all my heart, with all my being, with all my life, always. And help me to resist all that the devil throws at me to try to get me off track. I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might, with all my strength. We'd love to help you if you need to study some more. If you just ask us, we'll make that happen. If you're ready at this point, you say, you know, I need the prayers of the church for strength, maybe for forgiveness, maybe for God's guidance. All you have to do is step forward and tell us we'll pray with you this morning. And we'd be excited to be able to do so, but also humbled to be able to do so. If you need to make that step to say, I'm ready to repent of my sins. I'm ready to come to the Lord with all my heart, humbly surrendering to him through Jesus Christ and baptism for the remission of my sins. We'll help you, we'll encourage you in that act of obedience and surrender. If you need to talk with somebody privately, we're here. If you just ask, what of the elders, myself, one of the members you can have confidence in. But don't, don't make the mistake of thinking you can only be a half-hearted Christian and that'll be okay. You will seek God and find him when you search for him with all your heart.
you need to come, come right now as we stand together and sing.